today's podcast episode of Topic Thursdays, ladies and gentlemen, features talks of Kevin Bacon, black exploitation films, and Disney Channel movies. You're now listening to Featuring Dez. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Featuring Dez. I'm your host, Dez, and today we'll be talking about movies you probably enjoyed a little bit more than you, than you probably should have. And uh, today I'm accompanied by a couple of hosts. Uh, my co-hosts are uh, some of my best friends. Uh, I'm here with my twin brother. Say hi to Sean. How's it going? I'm here with another one, my good friend Greg. Yo. Say hi, Will. Hi. And then uh, my final is my good film friend, uh, Chris. <laughs> My reputation precedes me. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. And, uh, and today we'll all be talking about some movies. We enjoyed a little bit more than we probably should have. And um, I think I'll start us off first. Uh, first one on my list is actually a film uh, called Odd Thomas. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, Odd Thomas, this movie holds a special place in my heart. Uh, most critics did not feel too, too hot on Odd Thomas. Because if you check the Rotten Tomatoes meter, they gave that movie a 36 like they yeah they 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 ripped that movie a new one they they did my boy Anton Yokin a little dirty and speaking of Anton Yokin he's the lead in this movie he is actually no longer with us he he's actually one of my favorite young actors he had, he, he was taken from us a little bit quickly and um he actually did quite very good in this movie i, I loved it now Odd Thomas is actually the story of a kid named Odd who um basically has a connection to the to the paranormal he can actually see things that most people can't he uh he solves problems for them in this movie uh, one thing I really liked about this movie is that it, it very quickly throws you and thrusts you into Odd's world. You're, you're, at the very beginning, you're running, and you're trying to figure out what the heck's going on, and Odd's uh, trying to track this guy down. The editing is fat, fat, fast-paced and interesting. The, um, the directing is fast-paced and interesting. Everything about this movie stands out as being unique. Not necessarily uh, everything is done great, but it stands out. Now, one of my favorite things about this movie is actually uh, Odd's relationship with his girlfriend. Uh, I believe her name is Stormy. It's one of the cutest relationships I've actually seen on screen. And this movie did a, a lot right. Some, some, of the, some of the dynamics are actually quite good. The directing is a little choppy at times. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I feel like we could have got, got someone else better to helm this story. But with that being said, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it so much that uh, I actually credit this movie actually getting me back into reading. Like, for quite a while, I actually stopped reading. I mean, I still read comics and manga, but, like, you know, that don't really count. And, like, like yeah, <laughs> Greg's already called me out. He's laughing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I really like Odd Thomas. And so once this movie ended, I was left like, man, I want to know what happens. I want to read more. And I found that this is an ongoing story by the, by the legendary author Dean Koontz. And I felt like Dean Koontz, his, his writing style meets this director's odd style of, of, um, of directing kind of made Odd Thomas, you know, odd. And it made it stand out. And I loved it for that. This movie, like I said, one of my favorite things is the actual on-screen chemistry between him and his um, his uh, his his uh, his girlfriend in this film. And I think it's quite adorable. It, it has a very gut-wrenching ending that kind of leads leads you wanting to know much more about this character and where he's going to go in his journey. And I appreciate it for what it was, even if critics didn't necessarily agree with it. And yeah, so that's my first pick is Hot Thomas. What do you, what do you guys think? Anyone anyone in this room has seen this seen this movie? So it's me, Deshaun. So I've actually seen uh, Thomas. I actually uh, saw it because it was recommended to me by both my brother and my friend Greg, who's here with us right now. And I got to say, it's one of those movies that you just you, you like look at on Netflix and you don't really want to click on it just because it just seems kind of like random. I passed by it so many times and never wanted to watch it. And I got to say, I'm so glad this was recommended um, to me because this movie was like, it's kind of like a sleeper like hit for me. Like, I don't know why it was, it was so engaging for me. It was just like, it was like, I don't know, it's kind of like, like the title said, it was so odd and like random. 
And there are certain things about the movie I enjoyed that I didn't think I would enjoy. And like Des said, the relationship between him and his girlfriend was fucking adorable. And um, I don't know, and just like, I don't know, just like the the, the natural progression of the story was like really, really cool. And like, and like the way they set up the universe was like, yeah, really, really the, cool. the, the progression is one thing I wanted to talk about. Like, uh, the movie's very fast paced. Yeah. There's very few dull moments. And it's kind of interesting because it kind of works as like a detective story slash paranormal yeah. horror story, but it's also like an action film. It's it's got a lot going, and it's very cute too. So it's got a little bit of romance. Like I said, the relationship in there is quite good. If you haven't seen it, it's one of Anton Yokin's final films before he left us. It's actually pretty good. I definitely would recommend it to you guys and to any viewers who are listening. Yeah, I was gonna say. So I I saw this movie too, and it was kind of a shame because I saw it shortly before he passed away. So it makes it a little bit harder to talk about. But uh, uh, Odd Thomas was. Fun. It kind of had like this Veronica Mars approach to it, yep, yep. which is kind of why, probably why I uh, grew attached to it so much. And I think there's like six or seven books that come after it, so this movie is just based off the first book. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they introduce a kind of a bunch of fun little concepts. It is, you know, pretty much what the title says. Odd. It, it's just an odd, fun detective movie that I, I don't know. Probably you wouldn't take a second glance at, like if you're browsing through it on Netflix, like Sean said. But definitely, definitely. definitely. Um, it, it's still fun to sit down and watch. The only problem with it is, like this said, the ending definitely kind of leaves you wanting more. And so it's a good way to get into the book series, I think, after that. Right, yeah, they had um, me hooked, yeah. Because there's definitely a lot of plot details that they don't, they don't go back to until way further on in the line. But, yeah, no, just fun, fun movie. All right. And, uh... I should have watched this one because Des recommended it to me a while ago. Oh, yeah, that's I right, I did. Never yeah. got around to watching it, but now I feel like I should. So. No, yeah, you know, you definitely... T- like, I, I will admit, it It definitely it definitely deserves this tomato rating. There are there are a lot of things in this movie that could have been done a lot better, but I definitely think it it deserves uh, a look, though. It's 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 really fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of the odd duck, um, pun partially intended, <laughs> uh, on this group because I have not seen this film. However, uh, just looked up the uh, Rotten Tomatoes article, and I did not realize that this was a Stephen Sommers uh, yes. project. Yep. Um, this is a filmmaker that I was kind of curious where he went after um, uh, Van Helsing. Uh, I can't oh, that's rem- right. That's I can't remember when that was released, but he seemed to disappear. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the same guy that gave us the first two Mummy films. Um, the um, I don't know if anyone remembers the uh, 1996 Jungle Book. Yes, yes. Yeah, the yeah, live yes. action one before yeah. this new one mm-hmm. is uh, that recently came out mm-hmm. uh, with John Favreau directing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based off the premise alone, this definitely. Uh, I'm glad that Steven Saunders is still working, so that's kind of a nice thing yes, to yes. know. But I definitely have to check it out for myself because, sadly, this kind of fell under my radar. Yeah, uh, see, the thing is, I actually really like most of his movies. I find them very entertaining. Ah, uh, Thomas is no exception to his uh, his, his his previous work. It's and this is actually probably my favorite movie out of out of, out of his group, besides maybe the original Mummy. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I definitely give it a go. Uh, Sean, you're up next. What, what do you got for us as far as uh? films go that you feel like you loved a little bit more than you probably should have so i'm a grown-ass man who loves his disney yes i said i love my disney and as i said in the previous podcast last week i have my own top 10 disney princess list but the movie i'm going to talk about today isn't a disney movie per se it's a disney channel movie yes yes that's right i said disney channel (laughs) stirring the pot here (laughs) i'm talking about wendy Wu homecoming warrior and so the reason why, and so I remember seeing the trailer for this movie like back in the day and just being intrigued by the trailer, mostly 
um, by the uh, kung fu and the martial arts I saw in it. And come to find out, the, uh, the the fight scenes in this movie were choreographed by Koichi Sakamoto, which, if you guys don't know, actually choreographed the first couple of seasons um, of the fight scenes of Power Rangers. And so that's why the fight scenes, fight scenes in this movie were actually very well choreographed. Okay. And that actually caught my eye. But the funny thing is, though, is that the fight scenes were actually, were actually the weakest part of the movie. The best part of this movie was the fact that this movie dealt with a lot more stronger topics than you would think it would deal, um, deal with. This movie dealt with cultural identity. And this movie is actually about um, a, a, a Chinese-American family that kind of has like lost their heritage since being Chinese-American. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And they have um, a, a, um, a cousin who lives, um, who's like a warrior monk, and he finds out that his um, cousin, Wendy Wu, who is the main protagonist, she is the descendant of a yin warrior whose job is like to protect the world. So he travels to America to kind of like enlighten her about her destiny to save the world. And in, in, in the process, you find out that she's basically like forgotten about her like heritage, doesn't really know, know much about where she came from, you know? And it's cool because you learn like a whole lot. Um, you get to see like the, the entire family of the Wu's um, grow and they learn more about their cultural heritage through uh, Shin, the uh, warrior monk who kind of comes into to this family and kind of like sheds some light on them. And I, I really enjoyed this movie because this movie took um, a platform that's usually um, used to like engage like um, kids and teenagers to kind of like enlighten them um, to yeah, like yeah, it had to, a little bit more of a uh, mature uh, yeah, it had yeah, a little more, bit more of like a mature touch to it than like you would think it would have had. And like it was kind of cool. Speaking of like um, Quichis, um Sakamoto, I brought up earlier, like three Power Rangers were in this movie. Sally Martin, who's the oh. um, Ninja Storm Blue um, Power Ranger. Oh, um, there we go. Yeah, That's Anissa fine. Hutchinson, um, who's the Wild Force uh, Yellow Ranger, was in this movie, along with um, Galen uh, from uh, RPM, was in this. Uh, movie too, but it was I don't know. This movie was like very cheesy, very hammy. It definitely wasn't Oscar worthy like, like normal um, D- Disney movies were, but it was still like very entertaining. Yeah, it's no ET, right, Sean? Yeah, it's no ET, <laughs> but it definitely had a lot to say though, and so I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I should have. I'll admit that. So okay, well I actually did see uh, Wendy Ward. I watched it one day when I had like my wisdom tooth pulled. I had no choice. I couldn't find the, couldn't find the remote. They're like Wendy Wu is coming up next. I was like, all right, let me watch this. I watched it, and I'll admit, it actually was a lot better than I initially thought it was going to be. So, yeah, like, I'll, I'll give it a pass. Like, and I totally forgot about all that that was in the movie. Like I said, I do remember enjoying it a lot more than I initially thought I would. So Yeah, yeah I watched that movie, too. And just like all the other Disney Channel original movies, I watched it once or twice, and then that that was it. Yep, yep, call, call it good. So, Sean over here is still riding high, I guess. I guess well, so. <laughs> well, and, the, and the fact that you just found a way to bring up Power Rangers Wild Force yeah. in this podcast... <laughs> I'm I'm just so much more upset than I was coming in here today. So I so I also have to like go back and like say it. I think another reason why this movie kind of like connected with me was that I could kind of like relate to uh, Wendy in like a sense in the fact that she kind of had like that disconnect with like her like Asian heritage and me being like African American. I kind of understand having like that disconnect between you and like your African heritage. And it was kind of cool. I wish I had like an African relative who was from Africa <laughs> yeah. who would come over here and show me some like Wakanda yeah. like uh, stuff so, so I actually thought that was kind of cool so I just wanted to like say that too so. also I'm pretty sure he just likes this because he probably had a crush on Brenda Song when he was growing up so. you know what I, I actually did have a crush on um, yep. well, Bre- 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 Brenda Song's best it doesn't take away that this movie was actually like very entertaining and actually it actually was a lot better than most other Disney Channel original movies that, that I'll give it that. I'll give it so, that. Because, like, most Disney Channel original movies were either, like, decent at best or just straight-up trash. Yeah. And this movie was actually pretty decent, but was actually very enjoyable for what it was. So. All right, Greg. It isn't a worries of virtue, is it, Will? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. All right, Greg. Greg classic. Uh, sorry. I just had to throw that out there. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway. So, 
my movie that I was going to talk about, um, I kind of watched this movie growing up. My, my dad let me watch a lot of rated R movies, and mm. this one I just grew really attached to. Uh, mm. 1990 monster film called Tremors. Boom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wait, that's... the original Tremors was rated R? Yeah, yeah, I believe it was. I thought it was PG thirteen. I thought it was too. Kevin actually. Bacon made pretty it. Sure it was ours. Kevin Bacon made it radio. I'm right? pretty sure it's PG thirteen. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Oh yeah. No, no, no. You're at. Right. You're at. Right. Because like PG thirteen, you have Kevin Bacon uh, dropping at least one f bomb. Yeah. Well, and I thought there were two in there, but I yeah. But so even for a PG thirteen film, I mean, this is kind of like Spielberg era PG thirteen, where they were really pushing yeah, on yeah. the violence mm-hmm. right, for right. that PG rating. Right. Uh. Anyways, though, so I was going to bring up Tremors. I, I love this movie growing up, even though that probably was kind of a bad movie. I mean, it was you had country music star Reba McIntyre being in there as a supporting cast, and usually that's never that never works out very well when you have that transition happening. But, I mean, you had Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward in there, Michael Gross, who was pretty much in all of the, the shitty direct-to-DVD sequels that eventually came out. Um, but, no, that, for me, it was just it was just kind of fun watching the... Uh, the acting with Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward just kind of working together to figure out what the hell is going on in the desert, um, fighting these random creatures that come up through the ground. I mean, it's pretty much just your generic monster movie, but for whatever reason, I just ended up falling in love with it to the point that I've seen every movie that's come out since then. So, so. have I. <clears throat> yeah. And the TV show. I've seen the TV show. And the unaired Kevin Bacon pilot that they were trying to do dang but uh but yeah fanboy <laughs> the only offense i take to that is that you consider tremors to be a bad film because this uh, tremors i believe was has always been considered a good film i mean you have a very intriguing premise where you have a monster movie where the monsters can appear either day or night right right you had to figure out the mechanics of the monster in the same way where john carpenter uh, carpenter you had to figure out how the monster was reacting, what are the rules, and you had to figure out, like, who was the thing at the end of it, where with Tremors, it was trying to figure out how do we beat something that's impossible because the setting is not, like, in an urban town where you can instantly go to, like, the police force and they can gun it down, where these graboids can just pop out of the ground, can even drag an entire, was it a Buick or a a Rambler um, down into the ground. I mean, these uh, creatures are not to be fucked around. (laughs) Quite honestly, that's actually what scared me, was the fact that it could come out of nowhere. And so... I think think more of the thing with this movie, and don't get me wrong, I love it, and to me, I would think it was a a great movie, but if I'm trying to look at it objectively, there's all these hints of comedy and horror and action, but it never really feels like it figures out which direction it wants to take with the movie. Even at the very end of the movie, you kind of feel like they're just laughing it off, especially when you see Kevin Bacon zoom up on his face at the end when he's staring down the graboid. Like he's going to do something amazing, and then he leaps in the most shittiest leap I've seen in 90s <laughs> television. So, I mean, it, that's not to say that I, I think it is a bad movie. I guess, I don't know, I just figured most people would probably assume it's yeah. a lot worse than how I felt about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd imagine if no one's ever heard of it or had any kind of impact on their lives and they watched it, they would think it was maybe corny, cheesy, but still probably enjoy it. And, and I think more, too, it, it might just be a product of me living in 2018 right now, whereas all the films that we get graced with these days mm-hmm. have a lot of thought put into it, whereas you look at that, it's clearly a 90s movie. It's clearly exactly what you would expect back then, and I don't think a lot of people, if they're watching it for the first time now, would be very interested in it. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, Mr. Will, what do you got on, on number one on your list? All right, number one on my list... I like Sean, like my Disney movies, and so my first one is going to be Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Woo! 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was this is a really good movie that was way better than it had any right to be in a sequel to a main Disney movie. Yeah. Latin. And um especially after the second one. Yeah. Was. Return of Jafar was yeah. literally like probably one of the worst Disney sequels of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also interesting considering that if I remember like uh, looking on IMDb facts about like the uh, development of Aladdin and the King of Thieves, this was originally supposed to be a series finale to the TV show. Yeah. Oh, but cool. they had so much faith in it or they saw so much potential in it that they decided to go ahead and give this like a full-blown, yeah. you know. And rightfully so yeah. because Aladdin and the King of Thieves, like, like Will said, it's much better than it had any right Ever ever being and yeah. Actually, the the animated show was was really good too. Yeah, mm-hmm. had a really good opening theme so too. That, that makes sense. I hadn't heard that before, but yeah, yeah. They got the genie back. Robin Williams being in it, he's like the heart of the yeah the show. So and I don't think anyone can like 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 argue with that. I don't think anyone will argue. And with and I I would actually argue. I may be in the minority, but I would actually argue that this actually had one of Robin uh, Robin Williams as as his, as his portrayal of the genie his best jokes. King of Thieves was Robin Williams going in. He was going ham in the original mm-hmm. uh, Aladdin. Don't get me wrong, but they they let they definitely let him loose on this one. Mm-hmm. They let definitely let him loose. And this film, if you guys have not checked out uh, Aladdin and the King of Thieves, please give it a go. It also has a, a, a musical, a couple of musical numbers in here. I think rival a few, uh, a few, 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 few big name Disney songs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I like how they went further into uh, like Aladdin's past, past and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Put a little bit more lore into the. Into the movie and stuff. Right, yep. right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Latin's dad was actually kind of a well-layered character yeah. instead of just being like, I don't know, just some guy mm-hmm. and Latin having troubles with him. There was more there than meets the eye like that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Mr. Chris, <laughs> what, what, what do you have next up on your plate for your movie, my man? Uh, here we go. Okay, so the, my first entry is kind of a toss-up between two movies. And the reason that it was a toss-up between these two is because the, these two films are very similar in premise. Um, they kind of, um, there was a lot, I mean, I'm kind of embellishing a lot of this, but there was kind of, it felt like a return of something or the potential return of at least two types of potential filmmakers that have been kind of out of the spotlight for a while, or they were making films, but they weren't making films that they, that made them household names. Ooh, I think I know. Um, I think I know. Both of these are space operas. Woo! Uh, <laughs> and um, when they were released, audiences were kind of like milk toast about it. They weren't quite sure whether they liked it or not. And in, you know, in one film's case, I think just a lot of people were left disappointed or they just didn't know how to react to it. I know that when I left the theater seeing this film, I had a lot of friends that just was like, this was the dumbest thing I ever watched. But um, so, but the one I think I'm going to focus on for at least for now is the one that I feel like the filmmakers behind it have, you know, the... This is a long build-up, Chris. Yes, yes, I, I'm trying to get to it. You're yeah, really rolling out the red carpet for this one. I, I, I do apologize, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and cut to the chase. Uh, Jupiter Ascending is probably... I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, Jupiter Ascending, I knew it. Oh, me, me and my fiancé were talking about this on the car ride over, so I'm, I'm glad you brought this one up. So, um, it was He actually knew this movie was going to catch up some flack, so we had to do an epic build-up to it, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. So, it, it was a toss-up between Valerian and uh, Dude, uh, City oh, of a Thousand Planets. That's, that's the word, I got you, because I'm talking about Valerian today, huh, son? I Got you. So it was between those two films, and I'll probably let Desmond take yeah, Valerian. And, I got you because uh, I tried watching it like days ago, but I right. couldn't quite get to it because life got in the way and whatnot. But I think the thing about Jupiter Ascending that I think appealed most to me. This was made by the Wachowskis, who also made The Matrix, um, Speed Racer, um, Road, V for Vendetta. Just mm-hmm. you, you, chances are, if you know the Wachowskis, you know their body of work. Mm-hmm. And I felt like. 
the one thing that made uh, Jupiter Ascending, at least for me, work was that you're going to hear the word ambition a lot. There was a lot of thought put into this film, and you know, uh, allegedly the script for this movie was 600 pages long, which is like James Cameron levels of insanity. Yeah. Um, but the set, the um, art direction was fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. you can definitely tell that the Wachowskis were putting a lot of effort into the world that they were uh, creating. Yeah. I felt like a lot of the actors, Sean Bean, uh, Channing Tatum, were trying their best. If you know, then you have um, more wild card actors in the film, like Mila Kunis and Eddie Redmayne. Where yes. it's kind of a toss up whether you thought their performances were okay or just like over the top bonkers or just like what the hell were you thinking, Eddie Redmayne? For the record. I think his role was okay. It definitely wasn't like anything to write home to. I, I he, agree. He, he, like you had a weird, like coked up version of uh, David Bowie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> type, no, you're right. Villain. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But you know, I, I feel like this, the story had a lot of ambition, and it was all oh, it was so close to hitting the good parts to make it from a F film to a you know holy shit, this is actually kind of fun film. Yeah, and it teeters on that so much that I can't really say it's a great film. But it's the reason why I probably like this film more than I do, and I also feel that the Wachowskis, I, I, I hope they get more work in the future. I know that you know, as far as film wise, Jupiter Ascending probably killed any chances that they had. In fact, yeah. they themselves in interviews says that this was probably their hail mary as far as their continuing work in mm-hmm. films. And I'm glad that you know Super Eight is at least getting some closure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's my long <laughs> uh, yeah. preface into yeah. Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. yeah, and so I actually have to, have to go by saying that I actually, I actually, I, 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 I'd say I dug Jupiter Ascending more than most people did as well. I am actually one of those people that feels like maybe they should have gotten someone else. I just think I actually like Mila Kunis as an actress, but I actually think maybe they should have got someone, some, someone else besides her. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, I think that was one of the... One of the first films I really started remembering his name in was uh, was was this mm-hmm. film, and and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I had fun with Jupiter Ascending. No, no, no qualms here. You're not gonna hear me make fun of you about it. Uh, I I mean, I'll just give my two bits on Jupiter Ascending. I I felt like Jupiter Ascending was basically quintessential Wachowskis, where it was just a lot of flash, a lot of scenery, a lot of design, and it was just meant to be fun. Yeah. More so than most movies yeah. nowadays, it was just meant to be fun. Yeah. I mean, they had fucking roller skates that flew in yeah. the air and yeah. Yeah. did all this crazy shit and reincarnation. I mean, they just throw so many concepts in there at you, but they just yeah. make it kind of all go together, and it just and it's just fun. <laughs> and and then like and like speaking of fun, like Greg said, this is no diss towards the actor, but I feel like when you make your lead action star Channing Tatum, um, he he's he's. Channing Tatum has actually blossomed into an actually much better actor than than he once was, mm-hmm. but uh, he he's also not some like crazy heavily layered deep uh, a- actor. So I feel like when you cast Channing Tatum, you're you're casting him because he's Channing Tatum. So that right there shows you they're going for the fun. And I think the Wachowskis nailed that quite honestly. I feel like a lot of people were unnecessarily brutal on this film, and. I think people, and the problem I feel like with Wachowski's career is that we're waiting for the next Matrix. We're right, waiting yeah, for the right. next thing to blow our minds. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. as audiences realize that they weren't quite getting that, I mean, we got Cloud Atlas, we got mm-hmm. like V for Vendetta, not necessarily bad films, but it just wasn't to the same caliber like the mind blowing that we got from The Matrix. And, okay. you know, The Matrix came at a uh, point in cinema history in the 90s where it's like anime wasn't very huge nope. it wasn't as Niche. pervasive as it is now yep. um kung fu films you know public interest in kung fu films wasn't even near the level as it is now 
very niche genres mashed together, and it gave the movie-going public something new. You right. know, it, right. Having their cake and eat it, and it also yeah. felt like a, a very cerebral film. Yes. <laughs> but because we didn't get that after the Matrix trilogy, I, I feel like people were holding out for it and just... We're like, well, and we gave up. Mm-hmm. They weren't delivering what we were expecting, so, you know, it's kind of... A, now they're just making a lot of campy but fun films. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I still, to today, appreciate the work the Wachowski siblings has put out. But going on into my, my second pick for films, I probably enjoyed a little bit more than I should have. As I alluded to earlier, uh, today I should be talking about a film that me and my buddy Chris actually saw together in theaters. It is a film that is called Valerian in the City of the Thousand Planets. Now, this movie was directed by Luke Bassan, and those who don't know who Mr. Bassan is, he's the man who's, who's directed the OG sci-fi classic, The Fifth Element. Now, I'm pretty sure most people in this room have had a fun time with The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Valerian is some kind of underrated gem. It's, it's, it's not, but I, I, I will say that I myself found plenty of... There's plenty of fun to be had in this film, and I feel like a lot of people walked out of theater missing that. Maybe sometimes they take themselves a little bit too serious, and one of the biggest films... One of the biggest things this film has going for it is, is visual feats. This film is, mass, is visually uh, masterful. Like, this is... Um, this, is, this, is not, this is not hyperbole. This is one of the most visually impressive films I've ever seen, especially, the, especially with some of the chase scenes. This film is... The, I think a lot of problems people have with this movie is that narratively, it's um it's it's a little odd at times, and it's basically one giant set piece to another, and quite honestly, it's great. Like it it builds up like it builds up to like oh a theft a theft scene. It builds up to a scene where they're chasing someone. It builds up to a rescue, and it's it's and it's it's so great. I, I I've had, I had so much fun. The, the use of color in here was great. Um, I actually didn't have a problem with Dame DeHaan as the lead. I know a lot of people wish maybe they would have casted a more, say, masculine uh, person to play to play the hero. Oh, go ahead. And uh, I, I actually love, love Dame DeHaan as an actor. He's another one I will put under there as one of my favorite young actors. I've seen him in Kill Your Darlings, Chronicle with Michael B. Jordan, and a couple of other movies that I absolutely love with him. And believe it or not, I actually thought Cara Delevingne, I believe is her name, I actually thought she was actually a better cast choice than Dane DeHaan was. I actually, I actually would have been okay if they went the masking route over Dane DeHaan, but I'm glad they went with Dane. Cara Delevingne was actually fine. She's not, she, I think she's a model turned actress. She's not the best actress, but she's getting there. But I actually feel like she, was, she, she felt at home in this role. And, and Luke Bassan is another director who I feel has a lot of ambition. And, and if you guys have read the graphic novel that Valerian is based off of, there's so much to go off, go off of here. And yeah, I felt I feel like a lot of people should give this movie another chance or just sit back and try and enjoy it. It's, it's a really good movie to have a beer with and just watch some cool stuff, put it on a big screen. I love this movie. I, I really did. Like I, Me and Chris walked out of the theater having a good time. If I had to rank it, I honestly would have given it a B. I'd give it a B minus. I might have to check that out because yeah. I, I stayed away from it just because of what I heard. Oh yeah, critics, critics, critics shunned this one. Mm-hmm. Not, not as I mean, I mean, it didn't get as bad of a rating as Odd Time. As Odd Time has got like a thirty-six. I think Valerian got like a forty-something. So this movie is actually my girlfriend's um, father's uh, guilty pleasure. This is actually like one of his favorite movies, and he actually told me that he walks up to me and he goes, "Hey, Deshaun, you ever seen Valerian?" And, and I, I go, "I go, yeah, I actually have." And what did you think? I said, "I liked it actually." He goes, "You know, I looked up, and critics didn't like this movie." I said, 
said, well, you know, you're entitled to your own opinion, but critics, you know, sometimes are right about certain things. And he goes, you know, this movie was actually a guilty pleasure for me. I said, me too, man. I'm a big fan of the director of The Fifth Element. And right, so, right. And uh, anybody else got any thoughts on Valerian here? It, it's interesting that you kind of brought up, like, uh, Dane Tahoon. I, I do apologize if I'm uh, butchering the, uh, the lead's name. Right. Uh, I felt like, in the same way that Mila Kunis didn't really do uh, Jupiter Ascending any favors from right. the casting... I think I kind of get kind of an archetype that uh, Luke Besson was going for with right. this casting. Very like Han Solo, a ladies' man, mm-hmm. yeah. um, a, ma- a maverick that flies by the seat of his pants. And I think that if this film were made like a couple years after the fact, like um, if he hadn't already been pegged for like so- uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, I'm mm-hmm. um, trying to look up the dude's name that played... Uh, uh, Alden uh, Alden Arnreich yeah, yeah. yeah I felt like yeah. if he was cast in Valerian that could have helped at least with the chemistry between because I have wow. to agree that good good. That, 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 you're right that, that's actually a good cast yeah you're right no continue continue because um, I do agree that I think uh, I can't re- uh, remember to pronounce her last name for the life of me but Clara mm-hmm. who played um, Valerian's uh, mate I mean mm-hmm. I mean Sorry, partner. Yeah. In this uh, film, I felt like she felt more natural here than she did like in the you, Suicide Squad. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just trying to say. Like, I think her, I think the actress's name is Cara. Cara Dela, Is that right? Cara? Is that? I'm, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah. But like, I feel like she was she was really at home, and and I actually haven't seen any great roles from her, but this one she felt way she felt. Just, Cara yeah, Cara Delevingne. I feel like Miss Cara was definitely in, in her zone in this one. And like I said, I do like Dane DeHine, and I'm, I'm glad they casted him, but I could also see them maybe changing him out. And you bringing up Alden probably would have been a good choice. So yeah, that's my second pick, guys. Um, Sean, what's your, what's your second choice here? Um, so my second choice is actually a um, 2002 release movie that actually started off actually as a webcomic before people even knew what webcomics even like were at the time. Um, and actually got a movie deal, and that movie is Undercover Brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Undercover Brother um, is a bit of a satire film, and it kind of like makes fun of, but also kind of perfects the uh, black exploitation uh, genre um, style of film. Now, even if now, even if the plot doesn't, like, you know, lure you in, the cast sure as hell better lure you in. This movie had Andy Griffin, Shia McBride, Neil Patrick Harris, Denise Richards, Gary Anthony Williams, who's the voice of all the racist characters on the TV show The Boondocks, um, Dave Chappelle, and fucking Billy D. Williams. I'm Damn. sorry. Woo! I'm, I'm sorry. Just the cast alone will entertain the shit out of you for, like, the entire, like... Like run the time of the film, yeah, yeah. run the time of the film, and I'm sorry, every single second of this movie was comedy gold, and I feel bad because when this movie first came out, critics kind of like butchered it because it came out during like an era when like we just got out of the '90s and it was kind of like this can't we all get along era type thing, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of just like I, I like I kind of feel like the movie. Um, I I kind of feel like the movie's funnier today in a post twenty sixteen world mm-hmm. than it ever, ever was, was yeah. like back in the day, you know. Right, and right. I I honestly feel like if you go back and watch Undercover Brother now, it's funnier now yeah. than it was when you watched it back yeah. in two thousand and two. Yeah. And that's all I want to say about the movie. Yeah. It was just a good time. And also, I want to say that Neil Patrick ha- Patrick Harris's character Lance in this movie was really just <laughs> was literally just affirmative action. It was so funny. <laughs> He's the only white guy in the in the fucking movie besides the main villain, and his character was probably the funniest character yeah. in the movie. So all right, so. To, to go off what you said about Undercover Brother, um, sometimes I wonder if like critics realize that they're watching a black to- black exploitation film. 
Sometimes I because maybe if they had realized that, maybe they would have understood the tone and and some of the jokes that were kind of in in there. And if they did, then shame on them because I feel like this film is is actually tons and tons of fun. And Sean, when you said you feel like this is black exploitation per- perfected, I feel like this is a film that does it better. I'm just gonna bring a black dynamite, you know. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. So, but yeah, besides that, I agree with you. I feel like critics can just they can go away with this one. Greg, will you guys got anything to say about this? Uh... I don't feel like I'm. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm ethnically equipped to uh, discuss this movie, but I will say I definitely enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, so I'll I, leave it at that. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I uh, have no opinion. I have not seen it. Well, <laughs> Sheltered white guy here. All right, Chris. So uh, as as okay. I dude, one of these days you got to come over. We're gonna grab some drinks. We're gonna watch it. That's what's gonna happen. Trust me, Chris. Like it's a damn good movie. You will not regret watching yes. this movie. Neil Patrick Harris, Dave Chappelle. That's all you need. That's yeah. all you need yeah. in this movie. I'm sorry. Like, oh, and then then there's also this line that I absolutely love. You touch the fro, you got to go. go. <laughs> yeah. All right, leading to that, Greg. What's your uh, number two, my man? All right, so let me just pull this back up here for a second. So my number two, it's uh, a little known superhero movie that came out back in the '90s. Oh boy. Um, actually. Actually directed by, and I, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Russell McCaughey. Mm. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. Basically a dude known for creating the Highlander and Highlander 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think we should be Yang Highlander 2, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was this kind of little known film that used a lot of kind of neo-noir lighting to it. Um, little fun mystery uh, in a time where kind of our superhero movies were sucking it up there for yeah. quite some time. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed the crap out of this movie. Oh, I know what it is. Yes. And uh, so this movie is actually called The Shadow. With that was going to be my second guess. Yes! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> uh, with Alec Baldwin in it. Uh, also has Sir Ian McKellen in it as well. Mm-hmm. Tim Curry mm-hmm. being amazing himself. I love Tim. Um, basically... Let me just let me just read the summary because I can't even explain this movie if I tried. But uh, basically, this guy who starts off as being this murderous opium dealer who goes to Tibet and gets reformed by a bunch of mystics and ends up getting these mental powers where he can basically f with people's minds the whole time and fight crime and stuff like that, and uh, basically has to deal with this uh, uh, huge um, what's his face. Uh, Shiwan Khan, who's supposed to be a descendant of Genghis Khan, comes back to New York, and he's got to do battle with him while still... <laughs> when you say still, it out loud, yeah, <laughs> still keeping his identity a secret. I mean, this is the epitome of probably a crappy superhero movie. But when you add Alec Baldwin in as the main guy, yes, yes, in the nineties, yeah. no less. This is nineties Alec Baldwin, yeah, not yeah. modern Alec Baldwin. Jumping you in. you just can't quit watching it. I mean, it's just so entertaining. A, a lot of it. A lot of the style of it reminded me a lot of Dick Tracy, which mm-hmm. I really loved that movie yeah, when I was growing same, up, same, right. um, and still do. And it was just a kind of fun, campy superhero movie. I I don't feel like a lot of people have really watched this. Many pe- I don't feel like many people know about this movie. Shame on those people, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, like I said, it was at this time where it wasn't necessarily a crappy movie, but I guarantee people didn't really get into it all that much because they just viewed it as being another '90s superhero movie, which. Until you know our modern Marvel Cinematic Universe and yep. uh, and Batman movies, we, we didn't really care too much about those. But I just had a ton of fun with this movie. Uh, I would watch it over and over and over again. I even had a Shadow action figure when I was growing up. I thought that thing was the shit. Uh, but yeah, uh, anyone else seen the Shadow at this table? Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, so Chris, I you're have... already my best friend. <laughs> I have 
well, I, when I I've only seen this movie once, and it and I watched it when I was probably about nine years old, and it's and if I remember, you know, I, I'm sure if I saw this movie again today, I would probably have the same reaction to it as I do like films like that came out around the same time uh, during the whole Dick Tracy the uh, 20s and 30s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, resurgence in the 90s with like the mask um, yeah. even though that comic i believe was uh published in the 80s yeah mm-hmm. and the comic i believe for the mask was much darker than the actual oh, film, yeah. but, oh yeah oh for sure darker. but yeah. they, they were kind of in this like very pulpy um yeah. noir feel uh the phantom tried <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, was, I was thinking about talking about the phantom as well but i just couldn't do billy zane justice with that no. one so i decided to and, go with this and that's not really billy zane's fault i mean i feel like he was doing as much as he can with yeah. that role he was actually on fire in that movie if i remember correctly i remember that so i mean i guess what to say i mean i mean i i don't i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't really have a lot to say about this <laughs> movie other than that you know it it, it kind of sounds like the pulpy 90s um, camp based on 1920s, 30s camp that yeah, yes. would kind of tickle my fancy as something that I would definitely enjoy if not for, you know, just uh, how far we've gotten as far as like comic book <laughs> yeah. adaptations mm-hmm. yeah. and also kind of shuddering at the thought if a film like this was made today, how it would kind of turn out like Frank Miller's The Spirit. Yeah. Very, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's probably another movie that I enjoy. Yeah, it's not you. on my thank list. You. Yeah, it's not but. on my list, but I enjoy The Spirit too. So I actually have to go off what Greg said. Like, um, here's, here's a fun fact about me, um, your host here. I actually, my favorite uh, genre is actually noir, noir filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I love neo-noir filmmaking. Two of my favorite neo-noir uh, fi- uh, films are um, Leon the Professional and um, a film that I absolutely adore starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and that's Brick, mm-hmm. which is Ryan Johnson's magnum opus. I truly believe that. So, yeah, I definitely would give this one a go. If, if you have any kind of interest in noir or neo-noir, I'd, I'd, I'd give it a go. Yeah, just don't expect this to be some sort of four-star movie. Just expect this to be a prime 90s fun sit-down-and-watch-it-once talk about it for the next 10 minutes and then move on with your life movie <laughs> yes yes and uh my boy will what do you have up for your number two on uh films you probably enjoyed a little bit more than you probably should have all right my number two film and i apologize if i don't have like as much prepared as any of the other guests here do because i came up with these like an hour before the show i didn't really prepare for it too much i didn't know i was going to be on it but my second one is jingle all the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> sick world we live in sick, sick world, world. Very quotable sh- uh, movie um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad, and they're they're two rival fathers that are both trying to get their son this Turbo Man. I mean, toy. I feel like you could have just left it at Arnold and Sinbad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It'd just been fine. Yeah, but the Terminator and Sinbad fight for the affections of young Anakin Skywalker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, Anakin was in that movie. Right? Yes, he, was, he, was. he was the son. Yeah, yeah you're Jake, right. uh, I think this was uh, one of the roles that Jake Lloyd had before uh, securing Anakin Skywalker, okay. and probably ruined his life for all yeah, time yeah. and eternity. I do apologize, Jake Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> or Lloyd, sorry. I... Okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyways, we'll continue. Anyways, yeah, I just, I, I really liked it. I don't know, I don't have any justification for it, but <laughs> it's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. What else do you need? Um, it got a sixteen percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Wow. They said it didn't balance the slapstick and satire well, so I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you guys have all seen it, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yes. been forever, but yes. yes. Okay. 
Uh, Mr. Chris, you're up next for your number oh. for number two. Number two. Yeah, let's see. Um, so I think I'm gonna go ahead and kind of pick from my backup uh, roster here and kind of touch on a film that kind of came at the heels of a reboot that was well received. Um, it, a lot of people think that this brought a shot in the arm that the series desperately needed uh, since. Uh, I'm probably going to spoil the film here, but since GoldenEye and then James Bond kind of recovered with Casino Royale, I'm going to talk about Quantum of Solace. Boom! Yes! Wow. Yes! Um, so, this yes. Is, so this is a film that I felt like wasn't quite as good as Casino Royale. Um, a lot of people had complaints that the villain was not... Um, as charismatic as Le Chiffre. Um It's kind of hard to top Mads Miss Mickelson, my man. Yeah. So, but you know, continue. Not to mention that you know the main plot about like this uh, um, environmental mogul. I can't remember the guys because it's been a while since I've seen Quantum of Solace. Right, right. Um, basically, taking over water uh, stores in uh, some mid eastern uh, country, and you basically have James Bond kind of going on a whole revenge spree against the organization that basically led to. Uh, the death of uh, Vesper in um, Casino Royale, and I, when I first saw this film, I thought it was a, a decent enough um, follow-up to uh, Casino Royale. It wasn't going to nearly hit the same highs, and I feel like they were kind of just, uh, they felt like they hit um, a high point with Casino Royale, and they were just going to keep running with it, and kind of ratcheted up a lot of the action, a lot of the shaky cam quite a bit from mm -hmm. Casino Royale um, and you know made a, made a little bit more action oriented where Casino Royale did have action moments in it but there was definitely a lot of character intrigue between uh, getting to know a younger James uh, fresh in MI6 kind of getting into the flow of things and then kind of also learning not to really trust people especially right. people he thought he could right. trust yep, yep. that's and, what happened with Vesper in the previous film mm -hmm. exactly <clears throat> and I you know the Bond film, uh, the Bond girls in this film were not really that noticeable. I think Gemma Emerson, I believe, played the redhead, Strawberry Fields, or something like that. Mm -hmm. right. Sounds like a, a Bond girl name. <laughs> um, and Olga, I can't remember the actress's name, but I know her first name is Olga. You had that kind of weird thing where it's like he would go from one Bond girl to the other, but you also kind of understand uh, James Bond's frame of mind. He's unhinged. He's still angry about Vesper. And him and M are still trying to get over the rough patch that, you know, James is off the wire and M's just trying to rein him in. Right, right. So so, so just to follow up on that, it's, uh, I have it popped up, Olga Karyolenko. Yes. And then uh, Gemma Arterton. Yeah, oh, Gemma, Arter Gemma Arterton, I believe. Arterton? Right? Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah there we go. How you say it. So. And, and like, and so, and to their credit, I think they did finding these roles in Quantum Masala's, but, bro, like, C Casino Royale is one of my favorite films and I can, I can talk about that. It's kind of hard to top Eva Green. Eva Green is my favorite Bond girl. Like, she, she had so much more personality. Uh, she had more layering to her. She was, she was actually to play off of Bond so well. She gave him, she gave him competition. It was, it was great. And while in this film, it was, it was more of just, you know, him going on a rampage. And it was good for what it was. And I also felt like it tried to lean heavy on like some of the Bond nostalgia, especially like with the Goldfinger reference mm -hmm. when um, Gemma's character like dipped in um, oil after mm -hmm. they uh, like had her choke on it. Right. So I mean, I can understand people like frustrations with Quantum of Solace, but I mean, to be perfectly frank, I would take Quantum of Solace over Spectre because I feel like right. Spectre basically took all the goodwill that was building up from the new Bond series with Daniel Craig and kind of just yes. I, 
like they weren't they were trying to get to Bond as we know him from Doctor No and on mm-hmm. way too quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and also trying to um, tie Blowfield to Bond in a personal level, I felt like was also a misstep that mm-hmm. just took it way too far. And kind of and ironically put Quantum Assaults in my, in my mind at least in a better light than yeah. Spectre. I actually have to agree. I'm yep. in a minority on this, but I actually prefer Quantum Assaults over Spectre. Same. And out of the out of the Daniel Craig uh, series, I would say Casino Royale is easily number one. Um, number two is probably Skyfall. Number three is probably Quantum of Solace. And last is probably Spectre for me. Like I said, that's an unpopular opinion, but that's mine. Um, anyone else got anything else to say? So I would just like to end, end it on, on like this note by saying that it's kind of funny because when Daniel Craig was first cast in um, Casino Royale, the internet went nuts on him and bashed on him saying, oh, you know, he doesn't look the part. He looks like this. He's too ugly. He's got blonde hair. Everyone, I mean, everyone just bashed this dude. And what happens? Daniel Craig brings us quite possibly the greatest Bond film of all time. Some critics would even argue that it is the greatest Bond film of all time. And also gave us probably the greatest Bond line of all time. The bartender asked Daniel Craig, Shaking his third. He says, I don't, I don't give, give a, a damn. damn. Yep. That's what I'm I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that was a good subversion to what, what we thought would happen. And I love that. And um, going off into me, into my final and third film of films that I probably enjoyed a little bit more than I should have as a film, probably no one maybe has seen in this room except for maybe my brother. Um, now, this final movie uh, arguably probably has the best critical reception out of all, any of the movies on my list. And I say arguably because not many people have really seen this film. But the people who, who have seen it have found themselves really enjoying it. Um, but I still wouldn't classify it as a great movie, with that said. Now, before I tell you what the name of this movie is, just listen to the tagline. In a world without rules, he makes his own. So that right there tells you, just if you're in for something that's probably going to be corny and action fun feel. And that's exactly what we get. Um, right there, you know this movie's going to be a winner. This movie is a, is a mixed martial art movie called Blood and Bone. And this movie stars the infinitely badass Michael Jai White. He basically the story is he just got out of prison. He gets roped into into, into the street fighter nightlife. He meets arguably the best character um, in the film, played by Prince Zuko himself, Dante Basco. Dante Basco's character kind of works as Michael Jai White's manager, and he also brings up some much needed comedy in the film. Uh, this movie is low-budget filmmaking at its finest. It has low-budget... It has the charm of low-budget filmmaking written all over it. It does, from, like, the first shot. Yes, and uh, honestly, I have nothing else more to say about this movie. You like mixed, mixed martial arts, seeing cool stuff. You like seeing a charming Asian dude and in in, uh, Dante Basco. And if you like Jake Long, the American Dragon, then, you know, go check check out this movie. It was basically, I think, a straight-to-DVD movie. Michael Jack, like I said, it, trust me, I think all you guys actually might have actually ended up enjoying it. Oh, yeah. One of, one of my friends, uh, Shock, actually, I showed it to him, he loved it. It's, like I said, it's street fighting at night. Michael Jai White actually brings... It's actually a very subtle movie, despite it actually being a martial arts film. The the um, um, the, the transition the character goes, do, goes through is actually pretty nice. And it's got some charm to it. What do you, Sean, I know you've seen it. What do you got to say? So I also would like to say this movie has one of my favorite final fight scenes in it um, of any like mixed martial art movie. It act, The final fight scene is Michael Jai White versus the actor who played Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat oh, Rebirth yeah. yep. uh, trailer that came out in like 2009, um, I think. And it was actually a really... Yeah. Chore- really well Love done choreographed fight scene and, and like the cool thing about this film is, is that b- uh, both these fighters are actually all uh, well accomplished uh, martial arts in real martial arts in real life yeah, so, and, yeah. And, and, and I think the fact that they got actual like fighters um, in the movie made the fight scenes that much more Torn. believable yeah, than they're typical intense. and also the villain in this film was 
He was cliche, but like in like one of the best of ways. But like, I, yeah, guys, check out Blood and Bone. I, I was just gonna add on this. I haven't actually seen Blood and Bone, but I'm a big fan of Michael J. White, and I do recommend if you've never seen an action movie with Michael J. White, go watch one of them. Especially, it sounds like this one. He's he's definitely got his own brand of martial arts, yeah. and I think it's really entertaining every time I watch him. So. Just yeah. want to throw that out. Also, there are also a couple of cameos from a couple popular fighters like Kimbo Slices in here too. Mm-hmm. Although Michael J. White kind of messes him up like big time. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Michael J. White was Michael B. Jordan before Michael B. Jordan. So anyway, uh, Sean, what's your uh, third and final film? For so this my list? third and final film, I'm not going to try and defend um, too much because I think the name speaks for itself. I'm going to talk. I'm talking about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the oh movie. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, there's an ongoing theme here, ladies and gentlemen. I mean. I feel like this film completely fits the title of what we're talking about today. Yep, yep. And so I'm not even about to try and like defend this movie. Basically, I'm not talking about the Turbo movie. I'm not talking about the 2018 reboot. I'm talking about the OG Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. This movie has everything you want out of a Power Rangers movie. We, we get we, we get lore like, um, from like Ivan Ooze, who's like... Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Say so everything we want, we never got to see Tommy and Kimberly kiss in this, did we? Okay, that that's actually true. Yeah. But we, <laughs> but we also get cheesy ass one liners which Billy is the fucking king of that crown is never coming from him I mean for example he says you ooze you lose talk about a splitting headache Billy you're a dud stop yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know man I think Adam had that one line in there of uh, I'm a frog okay that, that I feel like really John, cut it close to there. be fair Johnny and Bosch can make like any line basically gold but and also they defeat the final villain by kneeing him in the, in the balls and he falls straight into a comet <laughs> I'm leaving it at that. Done. I'm leaving it at that. All right, and moving on. Mr. Greg, what do you have to... Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to try to follow <laughs> up with that. But, um, so, I, I just got to preface this by saying, initially, Des told me about this topic, about movies that you probably enjoyed more than you probably should have. And the first thing that popped in my mind was, well, shouldn't I be talking about every 80s movie ever made? Uh, and I got to thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I feel like there's one movie that came out that pretty much encompasses what happened in the 80s mm. and i've been on a stallone kick here for probably the past month oh. or so with creed 2 having recently come out mm-hmm. fantastic movie by the way y'all should go out and see that my Loved review will it. be up soon <clears throat> loved it um but i'm gonna talk about a movie that stallone kind of put together that i i had no idea was even coming out until i saw a trailer about it and i was like i better take my dad to go see this because he'd love this uh the movie's called the expendables <laughs> came out in 2010 um, and it's basically Stallone just kind of paying homage to all the old action stars from, from the 80s and the 90s, putting them all together on one big screen and just having them fuck shit up the whole time. There, there's no real plot. They basically go into a foreign country and, and basically try to uh, kill the tyrannical ruler of it. I don't even remember what the name of the country is. <laughs> like That's how insignificant the plot is. It's basically Stallone teaming up. Uh, let, let me just list off some people for you. Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, Terry Crews, Steve Austin, Mickey Rourke. Um, and they've made two sequels to that. I'm sure there's another one coming out where they just keep adding more and more. You've got cameos from Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. I mean, it's just a fun movie. It's a throwback to the 80s. You go and watch it. Um, and uh, Stallone's even got like a six shooter in there. It's just fun to watch him mess stuff up with that. I mean, it's not like you're breaking any ground here. You're not going to be looking for some fine liter- literature piece to come out of this. But this is a hell of a fun movie, especially if you can appreciate all the old action movies in the 80s and 90s. 
<laughs> so I would actually like to add something to what Craig said about it not br- breaking new ground. It literally doesn't break new ground. Every sequel is literally the same thing. They go into a foreign country and they fuck shit up. And you know what? I don't care. I love the movie. So that's all I want to say. Yeah. All right. Oh, guys. Also, I actually have the movie I wanted to talk about real quick uh, because... I want to get this out of the end because I don't want you guys to hate me, but I don't want to talk about Dragon Ball Evolution, guys. So I actually really love... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually hate that. I hate that. I'm sorry, guys. I, that was a joke. That was a joke. All right, Will, what is your third and final film, my All friend? Right. I think that's the first time Greg actually squared up on you. Dude. I was going to say... I saw there, some bristling. There might not be any future podcasts after this one. And, you know why. And you'll know why. All right. My third film is uh, it's going along with like the theme here of like, martial arts type movies it's also kind of a martial art movie but it's like also a comedy it's uh it's the 2004 martial arts comedy film kung fu hustle oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it was written directed and produced by stephen chow and he stars in the lead role of yeah yeah he's the main guy too yeah of course he does Again, like my other movies, like a lot of slapstick stuff. I don't know. It's just a guilty pleasure for me. I, I grew up watching like a bunch of martial arts movies, like Jackie Chan movies and Jet Li movies, and so. At least this was better than Kung Pao, so I'll, I'll give it that. It, yeah, it was better than Kung, Kung Pao. Pao yeah. um, this is actually like he he did the Shaolin soccer movie before this one, and it's because that one was so successful that he got to do this one. Um, I'm just joking. This is actually a fun movie to watch. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I yeah. agree. Uh, it's just really creative the way he does all the, the fight scenes and stuff. It's choreographed really well. It's good martial arts, and it's also just a lot of fun and really funny. Actually, I was just looking it up. This thing has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's actually well-received, but, wow. but I do feel like that it could deserve a little bit more praise. Kung Fu Hustle... Kung Fu Hustle was not only a great action film, but the comedy was very genuine. Like, man, there's a scene where he's literally trying to pick a fight with someone. He's like, you. And the guy stands up, and the guy's like eight feet tall. He's like, nope, nope, not you. It's, yeah, and it's, it's some classic, like, Looney Tunes. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that that um, what actually turns a lot of people off from Kung Fu Hustle is the concept. And I think people yes. see the trailer, mm-hmm. and they see five minutes of, like, just random wackiness, and they're like, oh, this movie looks stupid. On the surface, mm-hmm. it does seem quite shallow, but it's far from it. Yeah. And they they got a bunch of like good references in there. They got uh, the the land land lady doing the, oh, the Bruce Lee yes. motion, yep. and they got one of the characters in there who who gives off the the Peter Parker Spider Man line. With great power comes respons- <laughs> great responsibility. Right before he dies, yeah. <laughs> it, it was just fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a very self aware movie and, and quite good. All right, my man, Chris, what you got for us? Okay, oh, wow. so I had to think very hard and on my list on my phone here to discuss because it was like, I was thinking like, oh, maybe Rain of Fire, you know, quirky dra- uh, dragon movie. But I think I settled on one that should make for interesting conversation. Uh, and I have to go with the early not uh, supernatural Romeo and Juliet story that kind of did the whole supernatural Romeo and Juliet story before Twilight did. Um, so the first Underworld film. Oh, yes! <laughs> wow, my man! Wow. I'm buying this man a drink, dude. Okay. So corny ass film. I mean, yes. wa- watching it yes. now, it's mm-hmm. like there is the acting is very stilted and very like melodramatic. You know, as a good early knots gothic film should be. The action is de- is definitely taking pages from uh, the Matrix Equalizer. No, not Equalizer. Equilibrium. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the uh, like gun uh, fu aesthetic going on there. Um, but if I have to give it credit, it definitely buys into its own lore. Like the um, care that it took into its own world building, I feel like was something that made 
vampires seemed to make sense in a, in a contemporary setting. He did, yeah. Um, and then, like, the chemistry between Scott's uh, Speedsman and Kate Beckinsale is yeah, actually... Yeah. Uh, you may want to uh, wait before I <laughs> continue. Is kind of threadbare, to be perfectly honest. There is not really a lot of chemistry between the two characters, but no. Kate Beckinsale, I think, does a very stoic, very like no nonsense uh, vampire crusader on the, you know, on a crusade. I, I keep using crusade <laughs> redundantly. It's all good, but. I feel like, you know, you couldn't go too wrong in a, you know, post-Blade era with Supernatural yeah. to deliver a film premise that also had talented people like Bill Nighy as, uh, I probably mispronounced that. Victor. Yeah. yeah. As Victor. Mm-hmm. Quite quite a good character. And the um, fight scenes in it are kind of fun. And then Michael Sheen, I mean, poor guy, someone should get him a better agent because I feel like yeah. this dude, you know, tries his damnedest in every film that he's in. And him as... Uh, Fuck, I can't even remember the character's name. Lucian. Uh, Lucian. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Sorry, this is one of my favorite movies, so... <laughs> As Lucian, he, he gives it his all. I mean, I have to give him credit for it. And, you know, corny-ass film, but it was fun to watch in the same way that, you know, the first Mummy film was corny, but also fun to watch yeah. as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of follow up since uh, Underworld's been kind of a big series for me ever since it, its inception. Um uh, yeah, I, I I would tend to agree. I, I feel like the intimate moments between uh, Kate Beckinsale and Scott Speedman, it, it wasn't quite there. They definitely tried to work on that in the sequel, mm-hmm. but it just I, I don't know if Scott Speedman just didn't like have it in him at this point. Uh, I, I know later on with, with his acting, it definitely got a lot better, but just in, in these movies in general, it wasn't... There was really no chemistry between him and anyone else, for that matter. But, I mean, once he turns into a hybrid werewolf-vampire thing, who gives a shit, right? There were Looney Tunes-esque absurdity stuff that went on in this movie, and I dug every moment. Because, like, yeah. like, like Chris said, they, they really, like, they believed it. So, I feel like I believe it. Like, some of the stuff that went on, like, it, it got epic. It kind of had some Dragon Ball Z-type moments in there, too, I'm not going to lie. Well, and I, and I really like what you said about them really kind of taking care of the lore that they put in there. It wasn't mm-hmm. just that they threw in, okay, here we have some vampires, we have mm-hmm. some werewolves, and they have some things going on. No, they they actually took some time to kind of think out, like, okay, where where did the vampires come from? What is their connection to the werewolves? Why do they hate each other? Things like that that you normally don't get in an action movie like this. And you could tell that there was really a lot of thought put into that. And I totally agree about Michael Sheen. Um, I honestly felt mm-hmm. like he was the best actor in that entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad that, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what he got stuck with with and, this. And I actually have to, have, to, have to say, like, even if you don't like this movie, the world building is actually quite good in this film, regardless of, 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 of the ratings it got. And also, like, that final kill in the movie is actually kind of sick because instead of, like, some giant epic brawl, which we kind of get, like, leading up to it, we literally just get like a swift slice through the face and it's kind of cool it actually kind of gives it like this whole anime like yes. S feel to yeah. it where like the samurai slice each other yeah. and then afterwards you see that oh no I've been sliced yeah. too and he <laughs> dies and so yeah. it was kind of awesome yeah, actually yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. but yeah guys I just want to say uh, thanks for joining me on today's uh, topic uh, Thursday and uh, I like like talking to you guys. I'll probably have you guys back uh, more often and guys just remember like even if you totally disagree with any of these films that we have on this list just remember, uh, this medium is a very subjective medium. Uh, one person's like gold mine could be someone else's like crap fist. Un- unless you're talking about ET, in which case your opinion's wrong. Yeah, let's talk. Exactly. About, let's well, talk. Let's but what if the feces has gold flakes? <laughs> uh, well, Chris, I'll let I'll let let you decide on that. But guys, thanks for uh, joining me on today's episode. I'm Dez. We're featuring Dez. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yep. say say bye, guys. Yep. See you. All right. See ya. Peace. And we're si- <laughs> and we're signing out. Peace.
You touch the fro, you gots the go. I have outdone myself. <laughs> <laughs>